they searched the Brazilian jungles for a long-lost expedition and found a gateway to Elswen. <laughs> Today on Dumpster Book Club, we're talking about Age of Dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurus Rex, a science fiction novel by J.F. Rivkin. I'm Mimi. I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. And Mimi's the only person who's read this book. <laughs> yeah. And this book is... I didn't read it. <laughs> um. What's this about, Mimi? <laughs> so I searched out this book because... It's another J.F. Rivkin. You may remember them from our Web of Wind and Silver Glass episodes. Another episode where you guys read a book that I didn't read. (laughs) So J.F. Rivkin are two very mysterious ladies who've sort of disappeared off the map. And the Age of Dinosaurs book was supposed to be the Age of Dinosaurs series. And this is clearly the first entry in that series but it's also the only entry in the series. It's really sad because if you look up the book at all, that is like the first line in all of the descriptions is the first new book in an exciting series. Yeah, it was hyped as part of something that went nowhere. There's zero user reviews on Goodreads for this book, but the synopsis says that it would appeal to the same audience that made Ray Bradbury's Dinosaur World such a huge success. (laughs) Wow. And this book was so much better than Dinosaur World, but also they both came out the same year in 1992. It's not like this was based on that. Yeah, I only read the first, like, 25 pages of this book, and I could immediately tell that it was a million times better than Dinosaur World. (laughs) There's, like, adults in it. It's witty at times. So why did Dinosaur World take off as a series and this one didn't? I don't know. Ray Bradbury's name. Yeah. It's right on the cover. (laughs) They should have got Ray Bradbury to present it. But what is strange, on top of that, I didn't actually read this book. I found an audiobook of it. There's a recent audible production of Age of Dinosaurs Tyrannosaurus Rex by J.F. Rivkin, which I don't know if anyone else has read. <laughs> um, We're not sponsored by Audible. <laughs> My Audible recommendation this month. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, this uh, has nothing to do with Ray Bradbury Presents, nothing to do with Dinosaur World. It is not like Dinosaur World. It's definitely inspired heavily by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and... Yeah, he has a dinosaur book, right? The Lost World. And there's multiple references to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Just that's more where this book comes from. Um, all right, well, let me tell you about this book I read. <laughs> Great! <laughs> So at the beginning, we're introduced to Christine. It was a little bit like Deirdre from the Knot World, where she's got this like really adventurous spirit, but she's confined to high society. She watches dinosaur movies and loves pizza. 
she had this grandfather and an uncle who disappeared on an expedition in Brazil. And her father, who wasn't able to go on this expedition, owned a big cartography company. He passed away and she's inherited his seat on the board of this map making company. And at the beginning, she's like kind of always arguing with her mom, who was a little bit like Adeline also from the not world, <laughs> especially the way the, the reader read her voice. But she like gets into arguments with her mom and she says that she's just leeching off the labor of others, you know, just taking up this seat on the board. She's not even doing anything with her life. And then she also finds other ways to upset her mother, like dating a socialist. Um, <laughs> but her new boyfriend, Tony, is um, unemployed. Oh, even worse than a socialist. <laughs> well... Christine's mom likes Tony because she thinks he's like a military man, but he's dropped out of the military. <laughs> um, so he like sits around with Christine eating pizza and that's their life together. Pretty comfortable. But Christine goes digging through her grandfather's notes and discovers a huge bone. They take it to like a natural history museum. They're checking it out. To a bird man. Yeah. I got this far. <laughs> The bird man, he's like, he's like, oh, oh, this isn't from a bird. Why are you giving it to me? And then he asks the boyfriend, like, so are you a bird man? <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't know. Fed some pigeons once. And then he's just like, hmm, and just ignores him. I loved it. Yeah. Um... So the natural history people or the bir the bird men, they get back to Christine and it turns out that this is not a fossil, but an actual bone, meaning it's too recent to be like an ancient dinosaur bone. So it's definitely a hoax and no, no need to look into it any further. So Christine decides she's going to fund an expedition to Brazil to find out where her grandfather found this thing and what happened to him. They recruit Manny, who is also ex-military, but he was in the Mexican army and was kicked out for being too much of a lover and not a fighter, meaning he seduced a general's wife and... <laughs> He's pretty cartoonish and over the top where he travels all over seducing people's wives and then trying to avoid assassins that people send after him. That's his fetish. <laughs> uh, how did he become friends with Tony? I'm not sure. Never. Had sex with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's never fully explained. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, their expedition is the three of them. And while they're setting it up, the tabloids find out about this and are harassing them and trying to interview Christine and take photos. Um, but they leave England, which is where they are now, and travel to Brazil. This is where they hire Rudolf Rader, who's like a, a white Argentinian who's living in Brazil. They hire him as their guide. Then... It's pretty similar, actually, to the writing of Silver Glass, where the strength of the book is really, like, the characters' friendly banter and shenanigans. But Something that Dinosaur World had oof. none of at all. Characters' interaction was <laughs> not the way. Zero. Yeah. So, the characters were fun, and they're, like, 
talking back and forth, lots of conversations that were fun. But the plot is essentially just, you know, a string of encounters where they eat piranhas. They're afraid of Kandiru. Uh, Manny falls into a whirlpool. Manny gets drunk. Manny thinks a tree is a sexy woman. (laughs) Uh, Manny has a sexual dream about nuns. Christine has a sexual dream about butter. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that one? Um, (laughs) It can be short. No, she just says that. She says that she had a sexual dream about butter, because that's how hungry she is. Got it. So, yeah, they're, you know. Then the next kind of big section of the book, after all these encounters, uh, they end up, meeting the Yanumani tribe, and it was kind of the grapes from Web of Wind (laughs) all over again. Uh, Where, because they stop progressing towards their goal, and they just hang out here, and they, you know, they get high out of their minds. They brought a Polaroid camera, and they take photos, and that's fun for everybody. They're able to communicate through Manny, who's spent time in Brazil and knows some words, and then the rest they communicate with crude sign language. They do find out that the tribe did meet her grandfather's expedition, and someone on their team died from disease, and then the rest continued onward and never returned. And they give a really strong warning to not continue because there's something in the hills beyond that's dangerous or something. Uh, But they continue, and they end up discovering an ancient Mayan ruin. And it turns out that Manny is Mayan. So Mayans were never in Brazil, so it's weird that there's a Mayan temple there in the middle of the jungle. And we get a lot of fun facts about Mayans and how they were destroyed by, well, just, you know. (laughs) T-Rexes. When I was in elementary school, we had a, like, some kind of cultural heritage project. And so I did mine on the Mayans. And the poster that I brought to school with me was covered with, like, pictures I had photocopied from the library demonstrating different methods of human sacrifice. (laughs) That was fun. Anyway. That is fun. I liked this part of the book. So once they're in the temple, it's full of crystal skulls. There's an earthquake, and when they step outside of the temple, they're in a totally different world. A dinosaur world. And then we get a bunch more random encounters. And this is two-thirds of the way into the book when we finally get a dinosaur. So So is the cave considered time travel, would we say? Um is a time traveling device. Something happening in the the cave. The journey to the center of the earth or something. It's not totally clear. Whether it's time travel or some other reality, because I think they point out that, I don't know if T-Rex was in Brazil, and Mayans weren't in Brazil. So it's like, I mean, it says right here on the cover, it's a gateway to elsewhere. Right, right, right. Elsewhere. No. Elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's it's another time, another place. Yeah. Just trying to connect how the audience that made Dinosaur World such a huge success Contributed to the success of this book. Um, so, yeah. The dinosaur that they encounter is a triceratops. They're trying to take a Polaroid photo of it, mm. and the flash spooks them, and they nearly get trampled to death. 
Then they encounter a hallucinogenic moss. More fun shenanigans. Uh, they kill a giant turtle with a shotgun. <laughs> uh, Tony gets attacked by a pterodactyl. Huh. Manny has to cauterize the wound huh. with a heated blade. And then they get attacked by a weird old man. There's a couple of chapters that are from his perspective. And it's like, what is this person that's watching them? It's just you're in someone's head who's like talking about how they control this world. And it's like something that exists because of their mind creating it and all this stuff. But then, yeah, you finally find out who this, this mysterious figure is. And it's a weird old man. And it turns out it's Christine's Uncle Jack. And it's not clear whether he is somehow creating or controlling the world with his mind. Or if he's just gone completely insane because he's been living here for the past 20, 30 years. He says he can show them the way out. So... They're stuck with him until he'll reveal the secret of how to escape and get back to their own time. The, the way they finally convince him to do that and not kill them is they gift him the Polaroid camera, which he uses to, like, take photos of all his body parts. Ooh. <laughs> like a porn thing? <laughs> well, it's mostly his toes. He takes a lot of toe photos. <laughs> so, like, a porn thing. Yeah, I think so. Okay. He's lonely. I get it. Yeah. Then Raider, who is the worst character throughout most of this, he's like, uh, he's like whiny and snivelly and he's a coward and he complains about everything. On a scale of zero to Peter. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's not that bad. (laughs) Okay. Where would you place him? Uh, Peter, Peter's the top zero. Um, Maybe like a five. Okay. He's he's middle of the road. Okay. Yeah. So he decides he's going to steal a T-Rex egg. And they barely escape from the T-Rex. They're not able to take Jack with them. But the secret is that you clap at the crystal skulls. And it like creates a vibration that will take you back. Um, so when they first saw the crystal skulls, they're like, yay, crystal skulls! <laughs> and then they got transported. Um, I think it was the earthquake. Oh, made their butt cheeks clap. <laughs> <laughs> Shake it. Yeah, it was not totally clear, but and it was like very hand wavy, but again, like. This hand-wavy explanation that takes up very little book Yeah, and it's space. not the point of it. The point of it is that they're there. Yeah. It's easy to suspend your disbelief and not be dragged down in the monologues about how time travel works, mm-hmm. like Dinosaur World. Then they have to trek back, and the journey back is much worse because they're all tired and grumpy, but there's a lot less time spent describing it just how miserable they are and they're almost back but then they are robbed by pirates and at this point their t-rex egg starts to hatch which startles the pirates and they're able to get away they finally make it back to civilization and the leader of the pirates is a government official 
<laughs> and they get robbed again. Wow. Um, by this guy who's he's pretty funny. He's just like a smooth talking part time government official, part time pirate, if you can imagine this I feel character. Like both of those are full time jobs. <laughs> well that's a that they make a joke that that's his other part time job and he's like, Oh, it's all the same job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and uh He's trying to figure out what they were doing out there and what do they find and how much is it worth. And then he's going to interrogate them one at a time. And he picks Raider. And so while Raider is gone, everyone's like looking around and Manny's like, Raider's in on it. And they're like, what? How do you how do you know that? He's like, anytime anything has happened, have you ever known Raider to not complain and whine, <laughs> <laughs> like beg to not be picked? And so uh, it turns out Raider was in on it the whole time, and he was like sent by the pirate guy to go on this expedition. Then starts to get a little dark and sinister, and it seems like the pirates are just gonna maybe kill them and dump them in the river. When out of nowhere, the tabloids appear and start taking photos of everybody. And they tell Christine how he's been making a ton of money and like a ton of success by publishing all the stories about her expedition, which he's made up whole cloth from nothing about the sexy lady adventurer and all these ridiculous things that she's doing in, in Brazil. And, uh... They're very jovial, they're very British, and then they're able to fly back to England with their baby T-Rex. The end. What a pleasant story. That does sound fun. It does. (laughs) 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 I'm not sure who this book is for, other than... Probably just me again. (laughs) Sounds like Jules Verne, Arthur Conan Doyle, but like a little bit more modern. Yeah. If you like both those things... Yeah. You might like this, maybe. I don't know. I think so. But I think the end was just a little bit tough, knowing that this is where it ends. There's no more. Oh, um, yeah. I guess there could have been more adventures. I'm not sure where to put this, but. And the mosquitoes whining and singing in the darkness outside could not get in. Screw you, she said contentedly and closed her eyes. She was blissfully sleepy. Ooh, oh, look, 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 look. Something screamed in her ear with brain-shredding force. Ooh, oh, look, 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 look to you. Responded a dissenter on the opposite side. Shut up, Christine shouted. <laughs> Countered 4,000 frogs. Stop it at once, Tony yelled. The river grew louder. Insects joined in a stereophonic version of the Hallelujah Chorus. Something hooted. Something screamed in earnest. Something shuffled and snuffled around the discarded rice and fish bits flung in a bush. Interesting choice to make the audiobook reader someone with not a British accent and have him do British accents for <laughs> yeah. everyone. Who the hell are you? Carius demanded. Thomas Farragut, reporter, London Sun. Farragut said, grasping Juan's hand and moving it up and down like a pump handle. You're the press? Carrius said, aghast. Farragut winked. You got it, mate. 
He pointed at Christine. This little lady has been great copy on and off for months. He nodded and Wow. My paper, which I might add, has one of the largest circulation. I just wanted a chance to show off all of his cool accents. <laughs> That's it for Age of Dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurus Rex. If you want to join us next month, we're reading Fireship. Bye. Joan D. Vinge. You can contact us at dumpsterbookclub at gmail.com or join our group on Goodreads.